Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, powered by Christianity Today. Good to see you, Doug. You too, JR. Always good to connect with you. We are really looking forward to this conversation that we have today with our guest and our friend. And we're going to talk about spiritual formation and cultivating habits and practices. And so before we get into that conversation, uh, Doug, you had uh, the idea of allowing a chance for each of us to share what are some spiritual formation, maybe a, a practice or a habit that, that we've cultivated that have really helped us lean into Jesus uh, in this season of our life? So, Doug, I'm curious. I don't know what you're going to say. What, what, are, what is a habit or what are some habits that you're engaged in um, that you're finding are helping move you in the direction of Jesus? Yeah. Well, this, this is... Uh, the, the but it one- can't be fly fishing. It yeah, I, I promise it won't be. And it can't be baseball then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're like one trick ponies, man. It's like going to be something about fishing or baseball or, or uh, Virginia basketball. Um, <laughs> so you're like, dang it. He took all my stuff. Um, no, actually, this is going to, this may come as a surprise to many, but, um, but for me, I've actually, this is, yeah, this is almost embarrassing to say, but I've realized that I, a lot of my joy has just been gone. Like I am, I have not been experiencing joy. And I was, I was, uh, around some, some expressive Christians recently at a conference. And I saw this little, probably six, seven year old girl, like dancing wildly before the Lord. And I thought I need to build that practice into my life. So I have actually been like dancing in my basement, uh, which sounds like the craziest thing. Um, you know, I, I cut my teeth theologically. I really appreciate my Nazarene brothers and sisters, but I have the Nazarene disease where your hips are fused at birth. Um, and so you don't do the dancing thing. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. But I've just been really enjoying that practice of every morning I get up and, and I just try to move rhythmic, rhythmically, which is about as hard as me saying the word rhythmically. <laughs> And um, what's that? What's the YouTube URL on that? <laughs> Can you we, imagine? <laughs> oh my gosh! So, I mean, you know, David. It says he danced for the Lord naked. So yeah. I do have to ask: <laughs> Are your clothes on or are they off in these joyful celebrations? Oh, uh, Jr. Actually, I wish, maybe you shouldn't say. Don't I, answer. Don't you know answer. What? I'll let everyone's imagination <laughs> run wild with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, mine's not as exciting as uh, as dancing naked before the Lord. <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but for me, uh, you know, for me, I, I pray best when I walk and mm. when I have a pen in my hand. And so for me, a lot of like the journaling practices yeah. are really important for me. So every day, you know, I've mentioned this before every day, I just, um, start my day after I take my shower and come downstairs and get my coffee as I sit on the floor of our sunroom. And I just, I, I write in my gratitude journal, I just write the word gratitude and then under it, God, I'm grateful for. God, I'm grateful for. I do that five times. And so that's been good. And then when I'm done with that, I, I'm, I, I just finished hand copying the book of John. And uh, so that's been a really wonderful practice to just slow down, uh, to be able to just see every detail uh, in the book of John uh, by just writing it out by hand in, my, in another journal that I have. So those are some practices that I have. Love that. Yeah. And I think what I think what's so great, JR, is I really appreciate how even in just this this very brief thing, it's like these aren't these spectacularly amazing things. They're just such simple, ordinary practices. Like, yeah. you know, so, now dancing sounds pretty wild and crazy, but but it's like because I recognize there's a deficiency of joy in me. 
And like, same thing as like, as I meet friends who are nutritionists and things like that, when there's a deficiency, you attack that deficiency with something that's going to build that back into your life. Mm, That's good. That's and so good. like, I appreciate that. I mean, that gratitude piece is, is just such an important thing. And, and, you know, the walk and the pen, it's like, that's, I'm just grateful how ordinary these things are. They're not crazy. Well, I'm going to sneak in your house and I'm going to just set up my camera, my phone <laughs> to just record you. So listeners be watching for that YouTube URL. I'm going to post that without Doug's knowledge. Oh my gosh. I would die. I would totally die. But you would laugh and many others would too. So maybe I'll have to do it one of these days just to. <laughs> All right. I'm enough with that. Uh, so we got a really great episode coming up. Uh, we are super excited to have Keith Matthews with us today. Um, yeah. Blessings to you all. I hope you enjoy this amazing conversation. Matthew serves as professor of spiritual formation and leadership and as the chair of the Department of Ministry at Azusa Pacific University in Azusa, California. He has extensive ministry experience from church planting to working at mega churches from coast to coast. He has written articles for the journal Conversations, Sojourners Magazine, and the Leadership Journal, as well as designing and co-authoring Dallas Willard's Study Guide to the Divine Conspiracy. Keith also serves as visiting instructor at Friends University in Wichita, Kansas, in the Masters in Christian Spiritual Formation program. He is an ordained pastor, retreat speaker, and conference speaker. Keith is married to Krista, and they have three children, Corey, Kyle, and Kate. They reside in Southern California. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Keith Matthews. Really good to have you on the Monday Morning Pastor with us today. So glad you could make it. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Good to be with you and JR. Yeah, so we're really excited. Um, I mean, I think what I appreciate is even before we hit record, you just bring like this extroverted energy to the conversation. And I feel like on a Monday morning, Pat, like on a Monday morning needed, so needed uh, as our inboxes are filling up with complaints from the day before. It's good to have a friend who is excited. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to, uh, right, right now we're both JR, we're, JR and I were a little shocked, uh, and excited that you decided to join us because you're currently on sabbatical. So we kind of want to reprimand you for working on your sabbatical, but also what are you learning, man? How are you growing during this time? Um, yeah, just would like to hear where, where are you, where are you right now? What's happening? Well, uh, well guys, I'm out in California and, uh, we've been, we're pretty, we're pretty strict out here in our, in our zone with COVID. So, I mean, it's, it's not for an extrovert to be in COVID and uh, in LA, it's, you know, I I can't, I don't go out to eat like I'd like, I don't get to do a lot of things, but, uh, but I am getting out. um, I'm getting a good chance. This is Lent. This is, you know, we're in, we just started Lent and it's really a good opportunity now to kind of retool, rethink. um, And, uh, and I am doing some writing. I have to do that for my school and, um, it's it's nice to kind of get back in that mode. I, I've invested the past probably eight years really diving deeper into the classroom and really trying to hone my skills as a teacher. I, mm-hmm. I really take that seriously. And uh, Dallas inspired, but Dallas Willard inspired me with that because his first priority that uh, we all know him as a great writer and and a uh, uh, person who influenced us in formation. But his first priority was his students at USC. So mm-hmm. I've taken that to heart and I, I, I love the classroom. So 
um, I'll be good. I'll be good to get back soon. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know that you love Dallas Willard and have had a relationship with Dallas Willard. You did some a writing project with Dallas Willard. How did that come about? Uh, because a lot of the listeners on this podcast love Dallas as well. And so tell us that story, how you first got connected and your relationship with him through the years. I'll try to nutshell this because I know this is a, this is a shorter deal here. But here's, the, here's what happened. Um, I, I was a young engineer. I was a Jesus Movement product. And um, as a young man in my teens, and was involved with more kind of radical kind of ministries, the vineyard, the earliest of the vineyard days. Mm. I was a YWAMer. Um, I was involved with church, but I started my career as an engineer in aerospace and then started taking seminary classes at Fuller. And at the church I was attending in Southern Cal, there was a professor that would come out to this church every summer and teach a class. And I was invited to go be a part of this class that he taught. And it was all the old timers in this church. But when he came, uh, it would go from about 20 people to about 100 people, Sunday school. And they said, this guy named Dallas Willard from USC. And I said, wow, that name sounds familiar. And, and I, I went in the class. I took I, I, the first day I came in and, and you could feel the palpable excitement. The um, the sense of anticipation and expectation. And then this older guy, well, that, he was not old then. He was in his late 40s then. I was, I was in my late 20s. And uh, he started speaking uh, at a series called Guidelines to Life in the Kingdom of God. I still remember all 12 weeks. Mm. I listened to them over and over again on old cassette tapes. But um, it was a powerful, powerful reorientation to life with Jesus that was beyond just, just passion and getting people saved. It was about becoming a different kind of person from the inside out. And my wife and I were captivated. And we became friends at that point. And I went into the ministry after that. And we were friends. He was my mentor. And then we were colleagues at Fuller for Fuller Seminary for 17 years, teaching a class together, worked with his family, and he was a dear friend. So um, I lament his loss every day. I really mm. do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's the nutshell. Yeah, well, I, I know that you have a background. You mentioned aerospace engineering, and then as a pastor, and then eventually to mold and to shape young leaders into becoming pastors and kingdom leaders. I'm curious, Keith, what are you noticing? What encourages you about the next wave of pastors and kingdom leaders? And then conversely, what discourages you or what concerns you about uh, the, the, the ministry landscape that we're in? Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Uh, that's, I wish those were equally weighted, uh, mm. concerns as, as well as hopes. Um, I, well, I'm hopeful in this. Um, in my context, I'm in a very diverse setting. And I am I am thrilled to see the diversity that that is are, are rising to the call in our in our ethnic communities Hispanic, Asian, uh, Black, um, and uh, and and our white churches as well. But I, I mean I've seen a shift over the past twenty five years from kind of middle class white evangelicalism to that dying out somewhat and seeing others rise. So. I'm encouraged in that way. I'm still a little discouraged with 
the model that um, people are adopting, even and, and mo- mostly in our ethnic context, because and, and here's my assessment. Can I give you a little assessment of, of why do we see um, uh, the church, uh, especially in our ethnic communities, reduplicating? And, and I think here's the deal. Uh, the white church in evangelicalism has been a little bit more willing to move from modernity into post-modernity. We've had little cycles towards that. But, but most ethnic churches run behind. And modernity, they, many of those churches are trying to do modernity better. And uh, that's what happens in a number of the, the contexts that I've seen. And they tend to be more hierarchical and more linear in the way they look at, at pastors. So um, my job uh, when I'm in the classroom is I, is I say, you know, look at uh, what what really is your, your job as a pastor? Is, is it to be... Uh, this great preacher and have a big church or, or what's your criterion of, of if you're, if you're really having success. And, um, and that, that ensues a big conversation about what are people becoming? And mm. to me, that's the biggest question. And uh, as you probably know, and have been affected by Eugene Peterson, Eugene Peterson was more concerned with the, the effect of what we're doing as pastors than uh, trying to fulfill a certain role. Um, or, or an assessment of bigger is better and money and all of that. What, uh, I mean, you and I, you know, teach together in the, the, you know, at Friends University in the Masters of Spiritual Formation courses there, the program. Let me just go ahead and ask it. Like, why, why is the spiritual formation movement so white? You know, I'm encouraged about the diversity that's happening in the church and the awareness of that. But when we look around, it's very white. I'm curious, as you have a diverse classroom, what are your thoughts on that? And how do we as white males and in leadership help to cultivate greater diversity, invite more people to the table? Well, that that is, there's no one answer to that. Um, It kind of reminds me of the question about the emergent movement, which was pretty Mm -hmm. white too. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. uh, that one's a little more to get after because it was a lot of youth pastors that were disenfranchised and they, they kind of started talking together and there, there became the emergent movement. Well, I do think that uh, the two faces of the spiritual formation movement, Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, um, you know, they, they, uh, Dallas went to Richard's church early on out here in Southern California. Richard uh, is, is a deep contemplative. He's a, thoughtful person. Dallas um, is, is, was not writing books back then. He, he basically, he and Richard talked an awful lot, and, and then Celebration of Discipline came out, and then all of a sudden, this movement began. Um, I, I think that it was just, a, it, it was not meant to be a movement. And uh, mm. I, I think the leaders of that movement, Dallas and Richard, uh, tended to to gather around them people like themselves. They were, they were usually high, pretty educated, um, wanted more diversity of thinking in their churches. Um, therefore, you know, it was broad, broad systems that, that fueled the spiritual formation setting. And then, and then Dallas's theological framework started to take over over time. But it, it certainly wasn't strategic, but it is a lament. 
it's a lament for for many because and i see it in my my own school that the students that are catching right now the spiritual formation movement in my context are my black students Mm. And, and that's mm. because when they hear about a gospel of, of of the kingdom versus conversion, they 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 are like this is there's no there's no category in their context or formation. Mm. So when they hear it, they go, "Boy, we we have this problem. I never knew there was an answer to this problem." Oh, so man. I get mm. uh, I get in a number of black churches quite a bit now because of that concern. Um, and mm. I think many of the ethnic churches are really starting to show interest. So mm. I'm hoping that the next generation of spiritual formation uh, teaching and leaders, it will be much more diverse. But it's it's got a shift. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I, you're right. There there needs to be a shift. And, and yeah. I think so much of that also is really just around... Um, defining spiritual formation, right? Because I think there, there's, I feel like when I first heard the term, it felt very mystical and weird and kind of like out there and you needed to be like almost like metaphysical and, you know, just like a wild thinker. And so like, how would you even, even think, and there might be some pastors like that right now listening, like, what are they talking about? Like, how would you define spiritual formation? Um, And I know that sounds really, I know that's a big topic, but yeah. How would you like 101? Like, what is spiritual formation for pastors? Oh, perfect, perfect. Well, I, I, one of the very first things I talk about in my classes is try to define terms. That's that's a really important thing. Dallas really did a beautiful job for many of us in defining terms, and and I usually start in my classes starting with the word spirituality, which of course spirituality is a huge word, and 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 spirituality is really more about a generic term about an identity. We all say claim some sort of spirituality. I mean, yeah, I have an identity with Jesus, but but it's generic. You have to kind of pine it. You have to ask a lot of questions about helping people understand that. But then the second generic term would be that word you just brought up, Doug, spiritual formation. And that too is a generic term. You have to say, well, spiritual formation, what kind? What are you talking about? And when Dallas would use that term, he would he would say, look, at the thing that I want you to know about the word spiritual formation is the fact that everybody gets one. Mm. That's the key to know about it, because it, it needs to be, again, question what kind of spiritual formation. There is different types. There's Muslim formation, right? There's Mormon formation. There's, you know, there's an evangelical, there's mainline formation, there's Catholic formation. So you have to play that out. But then we go now from generic to specific, specific being Christian spiritual formation. Now we've gone down to a, to a very clear picture, and that, that is a, a formation built around Jesus. A formation, Christian formation means that, that we believe that Jesus explicitly has a knowledge for us that we might be changed and formed in. But that's not the last word. That's a specific. And then now we get to the very specific term of the kind of formation we would talk about in Christian formation. And we use the word that I think scripture uses, discipleship. And discipleship is an arrangement with a teacher, an arrangement to learn, to know what a teacher knows, to be what a teacher is, 
and to to do the works like the teacher does. And that's what we that's our arrangement with Jesus. So discipleship's our landing, but it's not like what I grew up with. I mean, discipleship was a program. Discipleship was really more about Bible study, you know, filling in blanks, knowing a scripture. It wasn't connected with Jesus, impl- you know, explicitly. Hmm. So those are the four tips: spirituality, spiritual formation, um, Christian spiritual formation, and discipleship. So hmm. does that help, Doug? Yeah, I think that's I think that's super practical. It, I, you have a way of taking like the pastoral and academic world and just uh, bringing them together, just in such a such a helpful way. Um, and I, I'm really curious, like how you do that uh, first and foremost. But how do you hold that in healthy? How do you hold those two things in that healthy tension? Well, I think I I really think I I did not go to a Christian school growing up. <laughs> I didn't go to a Christian college. I didn't go to seminary till I was in my late twenties, and I was mm-hmm. so I had the seminary of life. My youth pastor was a plumber, and and I I I learned plumbing in high school, and we talked about Jesus while we were plumbing. So I mm-hmm. I, I I always think about myself as being more a blue collar theologian or a blue collar pastor, and then and then I I coached high school sports for about seven years. So you 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 got to talk a little bit straight and a little bit clearer if you're going to cope right so um that's that's how i i think i do it i tell my classes i you're gonna we're gonna learn here but my 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 mode is i'm gonna be coaching i'm a coach i think that's so helpful keith so one of the things we chatted earlier before this conversation and, and you you mentioned this term that i i would love for you to unpack a bit and you said i feel like we need to uh pastors need to uh regain or build a bigger imagination, I think is the, is the way that you phrased it. Can you unpack that a bit for our listeners? Sure. Well, I'll try. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I think that I can only tell you the model I grew up with when I decided to go to seminary, when I pastored, we had a model that we were trained to become. And that was the, the pastor as CEO, a CEO model. Now, now, we have to have an imagination when you think of a CEO. That's that's about efficiency. That's about getting things done. Um, it, it is it is really a utilitarian role. And if you buy that role, you will live out a utilitarian kind of church reality with your staff and your your congregation. And I think a greater imagination for what a pastor is uh, would be better served with a, another way of thinking. I'll, I'll just give you two metaphors that I think people could engage with and then tech, let their imagination go with it. What if, what if pastoring was more like gardening? The pastor as gardener. Now, I, I just ask you guys, when, you, when I say that to you, what, what do you think? What what does gardening gardening require if you are a pastor? Mm. Patience, uh, a uh, a tolerance for messiness. Mm. Yeah, uh, 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 to be much more subjective than objective in terms of results yeah. or timeline of results. Yeah. I don't know; those are a few things that come to mind. Yeah, but just even in that now, now that's a different approach and a different way of relating to 
to staff mm. and people if you if you take that on, right? Mm. Um, so that that's a different metaphor or imagination. The one I tend to use, and I I, I feel more comfortable with this for me, is that the pastor as personal spiritual trainer. Mm. If you went to a gym and you were going to uh, you know, want to achieve or become something different, you would get a trainer. And they're, they're, all, all trainers have a very similar kind of process in helping you become, you know? So I, I, that's another imagination for us to take on. And I, I think those are more, more accurate to pastoring than the pastor as CEO, because mm. we are living right now with, pretty close to kind of a dead evangelicalism in our world. And I think it leads straight back to that metaphor uh, Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, But that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Well, we talked about imagination. We've talked about tension and let's talk back about spiritual formation because you are an extrovert in a highly dominated introverted world of spiritual formation specialists or practitioners or whatever word we want to use. You also seem to come, um, when I think of spiritual formation, uh, you know, leaders or practitioners, I often think of the more sacramental or the more liturgical but you come from a, if I could say this, a more charismatic or more expressive kind of background, I would assume. So that's an interesting, healthy tension as well of being an extrovert and introvert's world and being more on the charismatic side than maybe the quiet, mysterious, uh, or even mystical side. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it is. Well, it, it, it is. I, I am definitely in that mode. And I, I've lamented in 23 years all over the country pastoring. And and always struggling with my extrovert folks on how to do mm. this. I, I you know they're not going to go away for a three day weekend in silence. You know, um, uh, it's just it's just or, or do do an Ignatian you know forty days. Um, but I think that um, I, I think that let me see. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go on this here. Um, you know. For me, I think it came easier to do to do this kind of uh, uh, ministry because because although I'm an extrovert, I'm an only child. So I lived a lot of my time alone, and I and that was taken up with music and a lot of mystical kind of realities. Yeah, I was involved with charismatic and evangelical churches, but 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 you cannot slip aside the need that we all have for uh, learning and developing a life alone with God, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. So the question is, how do you train your extroversion into a place of discipline to, to go hear God? And for me, learning to enter solitude and silence, um, although I was an, an only child, I, I did it a lot, I still had to learn how to shut down train the habits of my uh, intensity to dial them back. And it's just like going to the gym. It really is. You go to the gym and, and it's hard at first. 
to do certain kinds of training. But then after you do it for a while, you walk in and it starts to become normal, starts to become habituated. Because really all we are is a, a, our, as humans are a bunch of habituated creatures. Mm. And, and uh, a big part of what Dallas would always say is that spiritual disciplines are about changing habits. Well, I mean, it's funny you bring up habits because habits are in the news, right? They're like hip and cool these days, right? Like tiny habits, the power of habit, Charles Duhigg. I mean, these are all New York Times bestseller lists right, right. now, you know? And so as we think about habits, but at the same time, some people use the word habits pejoratively. And that's a negative thing, but I'm hearing you say this in a positive way, which I hope Doug and I would totally agree yeah. with. So I want you to drill down a little bit more specifically and even more practically what are some of those habits or disciplines or rhythms that exist in your life to make sure that you're being formed into Christ likeness and not just talking about it or teaching other people to do it? How do you cultivate those habits in your own journey with Jesus? Well, that first I want to convince people that they are already living out of their habits mm. and 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 then and then evaluate are your are those habits getting you where you'd like to be? Mm. And and if they if they're happy, here's the thing about habits. If we are happy where we are, we're not going to change. Huh. Um, one of the truisms about change is that that you've either got to have a great compelling vision that is going to carry you to a different change, or the amount of pain of your current condition now compels you to make a change. If one of those two things is not present, you're not going to change. And that's that's part of the problem in our churches, is that we try to pacify. We want everybody to be at peace and at, you know, no change, just, just be comfortable. Be, you know, um, but but nothing, nothing of value ever happens to any of us unless we're discomforted and unless we, we make a change. Uh, move. Mm. So habits. It's just like the word disciplines too. I hate the word spiritual dis. That's about as that's worse than habits, isn't it? JR? <laughs> People you go disciplines. Oh, that's such a oh negative word. Well, um, that that is true. But but you know what? When you practice certain disciplines to get you to a different place, you you value them, and not mm -hmm. only do you value them, you you start to embody those disciplines. Mm. So um, I think you start there, and then. And then what are the disciplines that are, are um, connected to the issues you want to work on? That becomes very important. It's, it's like, it, again, now we're going back to the gym. But if you go into a gym, nobody walks into the gym and says, I'm just going to try all the, all the machines. I'm just going to go try everything. And, and you know, when I leave, I'll be better. And that doesn't work. It usually works when you say, I am here at the gym this this new change, because I need to lose 30 pounds, or mm. I want to work on my biceps. And then once you get that clear, then you can develop a plan around it. Right? Mm. And that's part of the problem. We don't help people do that. Um, you know, we say, read your Bible, pray, go to church, you know, maybe meet in a small group, uh, pray together. But then people after, you know, when change is not a good, not occurring, they like that fellowship. They like what's going on. But if they're not becoming different, they, they, they will just start to pretend. That's the scariest thing for me is that when people 
are at church and, and they're struggling and in their life, they have a choice. Either I stay here because I like these people and I'll just smile or I, I and I'll pretend, you know, mm-hmm. but the spiritual disciplines are, are, are exercises or habits or practices. We can give it any name we want if, if that's helpful. But, but all of us in, in our physical reality practice habits, spiritual and disciplines, we all do it. Yeah. And, and I think, I think what I appreciate about even just thinking fr- through it from that space, it almost feels a lot more like an invitation to where, where's that, where's that thin space where God is at work, where you want to join with yeah. him. Um, and, you know, so, you know, even just kind of teasing this out a bit, but what are, you know, as you know, teaching, equipping young leaders, what are some of the some of the patterns that maybe you've noticed and even some practices that have been really helpful for some leaders who are trying to develop or like, hey, I'm brand new. I don't like where do I even begin developing a habit? Like what, you know, like because I think one of the one of the struggles is people look at guys like uh, people will think about guys like Richard Foster or Dallas Willard and be like, those guys are way too smart for me. You know, I, I can't. H- how do I go there? Um or how do I get to that point? So I think even from that perspective of just like, what are some real simple ways to even just begin that spiritual life? Thinking some pastors are probably in that space where they're so beat up and tired that yeah. like, they just need someone to say, hey, try this for a week. Like, try this on. This this may be something that could be helpful. And I love that. I love what you just said, Doug. Try, try something on, you know? Mm. Try, trying something on doesn't hurt a thing, you know? Mm. You could try it and you could just... if. And, and, and Dallas would always say, if you try a discipline, if it's not working, let it go. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's somewhat disciplines are like medicine. If they if they help you and are working, then 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 you do it. Um, it's to get us to a, a certain life together with God and be different. Well, I think that one of the things I would I, I really try to talk to younger pastors about, at least in my classes, or at least we do exercises together, is that. Um, we, you know, I, I just like, I always try to say, how, how is it do we hear, how do you hear God? I mean, mm. now pastors, see, here's our, here's our challenge. I'm saying, speaking to pastors now, pastors, we have this liability because we are in the Bible creating messages. So there's a false reality that if I'm reading this and I'm preparing something out of the scripture, I am now hearing from God and I'm, and I'm getting nurtured. And, and, and you guys know this. Nothing could be further from the truth. You could create a message. I've created so many messages when I've been a mess. And people come up and go, oh, that was great. Thank you. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, if only they knew. You know? I mean, so, so how do you hear God outside of these, the job of pastor? Mm. So, mm. so I really like to give uh, some exercises where, where you know, uh, sending them out and saying, look, look we're going to take 15 minutes, and, and here's what you do. It's real simple. I want you to walk really slowly. Mm. Take a 15-minute walk, and, and I mean, awkwardly slowly. Because when you go fast, there's, there's usually a reason for it. you got to get to something else. No, go slowly. Have nothing to do. Don't make any expectation about what's going to happen in that slow walk and, mm. and, and pay attention to creation. Mm. Just really mm. simple. Now that's a, that's a simple thing. And then, and then you're going to come back and say, what did you notice? 
Mm-hmm. And there's just two questions that I think are important after every discipline, any discipline we do. What are we noticing about ourselves? And what are we noticing? What do we notice about God? So mm-hmm. simple. It's so simple. This isn't rocket science. But but just that little exercise opens you up to a different way of of experiential hearing from God. Because I, I go out on a walk every morning. I had a heart attack a number of years ago. I got to do cardio. <laughs> so I go out and I don't think there's a day that goes by on my on my walk that I don't something does not grab my attention. That I that is a that is a God deal, whether it's a squirrel running by, uh, whether it's you know watching watching the sunset, looking around. I mean, a lizard on the ground. I mean, uh, and mm. and 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 I just say, Lord, what's going on? What does that mean for me? What? So that's a simple one, Doug. I don't know if that is even helpful, but we we got to break out of these patterns that we think are are the ways we connect with God. And for pastors, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because we do spiritual work, but that spiritual work does not guarantee us that our inner life is becoming different at all. Mm, 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 that's good. That's good. What, let's talk about a little bit about those patterns. Yeah. If, if we don't take spiritual, Christian spiritual formation seriously in cultivating our inner world by the power of the spirit to become more like Jesus. What happens? Extrapolate out. What does that happen to our people? And what does that happen to pastors to say, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea, Keith, but it's not a high priority. Do you know I'm in a, I'm in a pandemic here and things are crazy at our church? I'll get to it when things calm down. If we don't take that seriously, Keith, extrapolate out what that looks like in the life of the pastor and in the congregation. Well, um, and the most immediate answer, Jr., to that is that we will not be any different. We, mm. we, you know, osmosis spirituality will never get us where we need to be. It just will not happen. And that, to me, mm. is the, the the fallacy that that the spiritual life and our physical life, or all, anything about our real life that we lead, they're two different things. I don't believe they are. I think the spiritual mm. life is perfectly in tandem with the way the physical life operates. Mm. I, I, I think they're beautiful. God created it that way. But for some reason in the church, we rely on uh, miraculous encounters. We, we, we think that, um, or the gifts or fellowship or just doing those things that will change us. And, and, and they, just, they just won't unless we're strategic, unless we're intentional. Mm. That's what spiritual disciplines are about. It's about intentionality, my intentionality, not your intentionality, mine. Because my intentionality is going to look different than yours. And that's why programmatic discipleship doesn't work very well. Mm. Because we mm. try to cookie cut everybody. And, and, and we're all different. We're all different. Mm. We, have, we lead different lives. Yeah, we seem to overemphasize the spectacular and underemphasize the the mundane and the subtle. Yeah. But isn't it that where Jesus meets us or in those everyday mundane moments, like looking for squirrels and slowing down and noticing lizards and saying, God, what do you want me to have? What, what do you want to teach me? What's the invitation from Jesus in this? Oh, that's 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 so good. I, 
Dallas would often say this. He'd say, look, at, don't, don't think that the, the exercising of gifts, spiritual gifts, will change your character. They were never meant mm. to change your character. Wow. Character wow. cannot be changed through that means. Mm. Mm. Uh, they, say say yeah. more, Keith, because that's yeah. fascinating. That's fascinating. Gifts, gifts are for the edification and the encouragement of the body. We don't own gifts. This Holy Spirit owns the gifts. But your character can only be changed through time, experience, and decision-making. Mm. Now, now, can you say that again? Yeah. Character can only be yeah. changed through... Character can only be changed through time, experience, and decision-making. That's how character gets changed. Now, now... Mm. Let's let's trust that God God is bigger than that. God can do a miracle anytime he wants. But he usually doesn't bypass the process of character growth. Okay? He just doesn't do that. Because character is who we are. That's a, that's part of spirit. It's part of our will. I mean, this is this is the inner you. So he want he's that's like, oh, I don't want to touch that. I want you to become you. God is so generous and so loving that he doesn't voice that, that pressure in that way. But, um, mm. but that's why, that's again, back to why spiritual practices are important, because they help mm. form character. Mm. That's so good. And, mm. you know, our, our mutual friend, AJ Swoboda, you know, AJ talks about this idea that um, he said, if I have an affair, I get fired. But if I work like crazy and never Sabbath and never take rest, I get a promotion. Right. And he said, we've just elevated uh, production over character. And so yeah. what would you say to the pastor who is saying, uh, I get it, Keith, I'm with you, but the demands of my denomination or my church or my elders or my congregation, they're saying, you better work harder, you better produce more, and if not, you're out of here. None of this character flaky. I mean, yeah, yeah, character's fine as long as you're producing, man. What oh, would you Lord. say to the pastor oh. who is in a situation like that? Oh, my. Find another job. Yeah. <laughs> so that, 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 because that's so antithetical to this calling. Yeah. I mean, it, it, really, it really is. If you're, but you see, here's, this, here's, the, here's the dark part of that, Jr. Because many people will will buckle under that because they get a, there's there's a payoff to if you do work hard. There's a great payoff if you're always at somebody's beck and call. You know, people may love you, but your family may be destroyed because you've said yes to everybody else but them. You know, um, th th this whole idea of that, that that's so Western American. I mean. This is a different calling. And I mean, I, I've said to many students in my class, I've said, man, you're in the wrong business. This, this bar isn't lower. This is, you don't come into the ministry because you, you, you found a low bar now you could, make, you could make it to. This is a higher bar. This is a high bar. And, and we're called to lead. We're called to lead and lead by example, not, not point to the small group and say, go on over there. And then, and and you'll get help. I mean, it, mm. I mean that's why a personal spiritual trainer. If I if I go to the gym, I'm gonna and I want to work on my biceps. You know what spiritual trainer I'm gonna go find? The guy with biceps, right? <laughs> why? Because 
they can do it. They're doing it. He's he's been there. He's, he's gone been there. there. Yeah. And and that's what people are looking for in us. I believe. I, I I truly do believe that. But if if but if we want to buy into the American CEO model of work harder, faster, and manipulate people to become whatever they need to be, you know, for the church, then then you know we've we've got what we've got. And mm. I just can't be content with that. Mm, mm. Keith, that's so good. And Doug and I uh, knew this would be a great conversation, and it's been more than that. Uh, let me let me end with this question, if that's okay, Doug. Unless you've yep. got another one, but let me end millions. With this one, but you can end. Yeah, sure. But to, before we land the plane, uh, and maybe it's already what you've touched on. But what do you wish you could tell every pastor in America? Let's assume every pastor in America had to tune in here for the next uh, minute and a half to two minutes. What encouragement, challenge, reminder, truth would you want to just make sure they understood in terms of life in the kingdom and this calling called ministry? I would say, look, at your congregation does not need a perfect pastor, a perfect preacher, but they do need somebody that can, with confidence and knowledge, point the way and lead the way. And you have to decide, how am I going to do that with them? You get to do it with them. You don't do it on them. We get to do it with them. So what a privilege God has given us as pastors, that we have a platform uh, that we can come alongside people. And we can, we can take them down the road together, lock arms and go down the road. That's what I want to do. I hope, I hope they'd want to do that too. And this conversation about formation and their own personal formation and character formation is is the probably the most important topic they can consider. So mm. get a new imagination, my brothers and sisters. Mm. Mm. That's great. Well, Keith, always a joy to connect with you. Doug and I are so grateful for the work that you do, both the pastoral side and the academic side. And the way you marry that together, like your friend and mentor Dallas Willard did so well. And uh the the wake behind you is quite beautiful and quite large of how you're shaping the imaginations of so many pastors and kingdom practitioners. So thank you, brother. We're grateful for you. And uh, we look forward to the next time we can chat. Thank you so much, guys. It was a joy to see you. See you both. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Doug, I love me some Keith Matthews. Yeah, seriously. Man. So, so much better than Dave Matthews. <laughs> I just, I've, I've always just so appreciated that marrying that we talked about yeah. between the pastoral and the academic on that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I'm really thinking and doing a deep dive in this idea of habits and how do we form them and why, how do they shape us? And I'm growing more and more convinced that they're a part of who we are and what we do. Um, and I love this phrase. He said, we are habituated creatures. Mm. That habits will we will we will change with either a great compelling vision or because of pain. Yeah. Without these, he said, you will not change. And I love how he said, I'm trying to convince people that you already have habits and you live out of those habits for the vision for your life. Man, mm -hmm. like that right there is so good. Which makes me think, like, what are my habits? Yeah. You know, what are helping me move towards the direction of a vision of the kingdom life? What are the habits that take me away from? Uh, the kingdom life. So, so much more we can unpack, but that's what sticks out to me. What about you, Doug? 
Yeah, I just, I, I was really struck by, he said, you know, we rely on miraculous encounters mm. and the, and our gifts, you know, and the, the gifts that we've been given to change us. And then he said, but our growth must be intentional and ordinary. Yeah. I, I think there's some, that, that's a, that's an important word for us pastors. And man, I don't want to downplay those encounters or, you know, yeah. the gifts, but just to say, if we want to see character growth, if we want to see discipleship and life with God become real, uh, it, it has to be rooted in the ordinary. Yeah, he had that great line. He said, osmosis spirituality will not get us to where we want to be. Yeah. Yes. Boy, that's so true. So, so true. Well, let's give uh, some resources, some questions, and then a good word as we go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if we're Dallas Willard fans, we know about the divine conspiracy. If you haven't read that, please do all you can to hop on and purchase that book. If you've already read it, pull it off the shelf and read it again. Um, and the cool thing is, is that Keith actually co-wrote the study guide to the divine conspiracy. He and Dallas and another friend of ours named Jan Johnson uh, wrote the divine conspiracy study guide. So if you don't have the study guide, the questions in there are just wonderful. The practices that are listed in there. So we want to mention that. So, Doug, what are some questions that we can leave with our listeners? Yeah, first is sort of a challenge and a question at once. When can you schedule a 15-minute painfully slow walk and ponder these two things? What are you noticing about yourself in that walk? And what are you noticing about God? And then the second question is, what part of your character is the Lord inviting you to change in this season? JR, why don't you give us the good word? Yeah, well, brothers and sisters of Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. Go, and as you go, may you be the kinds of people that walk slowly. Because in the process of walking slowly, we begin to see the invitation from Jesus to notice things about ourselves and to notice things about God. May we care more about the inner work of our formation than the outer work of our performance. May we cultivate those holy habits some out of pain, but more out of a grand and compelling vision of the kingdom life, which Jesus invites us into. May we, may we be the kinds of people that others look at us and say, I want to live that kind of character and that kind of life day in and day out. God bless and bless God.